Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. JJJ and St. Long Snapper Extraordinaire for your Carolina Panthers. Week two of Snapchats 2024. And he is here to talk football and Lord knows what else. JJ, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Appreciate you guys. You guys having a good uh, Thursday morning? <laughs> what's wrong, Bo? <laughs> no, it's great. No, it's better now. Because J.J. Jansen, the Panther legend in the house. Yes, you make our day better, man. Although I was a little upset, J.J. I was a little upset once I found out what happened in this segment when I was off last week. I heard that you were talking about your desire and how long you wanted to play. And I thought that was something you would have waited for your agent, for me, your agent, to be here to discuss. I was a little upset. You remember how? You remember how uh, the negotiations went last year when you tried to be my agent, right? How'd that go? Awful. Not, not you did not live up to the billing. You <laughs> overpromised and underdelivered. Um, <laughs> so I'll stick with uh, I'll, I'll stick with my actual agents as being uh, the primary negotiator for uh, my football. Eh, probably trip. a good but move, yeah. Mac. Oh, not exactly hey, Scott Boris. Probably a good move. Uh, yeah, I think I wanted to get you that ten-year deal. I don't think that happened. You know. Hey, look, if, if Matt could get me a 10-year deal playing baseball, that would really be something. That would be, <laughs> that'd be impressive. All right, let me work on that. JJ, uh, last week, Packers, Cowboys, you played against both teams this year. What was your shock level when you saw not just that the Cowboys lost, but the way in which the Packers dispatched so easily of the Dallas Cowboys? Honestly, guys, I did not have a lot of shock that the game went that way. Really? Um, oh, wow. They, Maybe a little bit with with the blowout. Obviously, the picks and some of the stuff early kind of caused a problem. But if you you know, in preparing for the game and 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 talking to Greg and 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 getting kind of ready for what that game might look like, you know, Green Bay was very balanced on offense, and Green Bay had a very clear plan on how they wanted to attack Dallas. They did a great job, and once you get the lead on Dallas, it's a very different team. That gets compounded by a couple first-half interceptions, and all of a sudden it's 27 nothing. And now everything that Dallas does well gets taken out of their hands, and Green Bay got to sit back and be balanced on offense and run and get under center. So I, I think I think what uh, Coach LaFleur did for Green Bay, win the toss, take the ball, go down and score, and now you're playing from the lead was a huge advantage to them. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout, but I thought there was probably a – 55, 60% chance Green Bay was going to win. And uh, they, they played a perfect game against Dallas. That's why this man has his own weekly segment, Bone Snapchats. This man has played in the league and knows it, and uh, we've done neither. We we play, we didn't uh, play it, way, we don't know it. Snapchats, we're going to throw a Z on there. Oh, Z, yeah. okay, yeah. just to be safe. See, by the safe. way, me and both me and JJ knew the Packers Yeah, you called win. it, That's too, right, and Bone and I were like, really? With that Packer defense? Y'all were all over it. Uh, JJ, is, is I'm sure you look you know, at the coaching search and the names. I'm not going to ask you like to give me your list, JJ's rankings of desired coaches. But... <laughs> But we're but if back. You Unless you want to. Yeah, if, you, if you have a listen available. <laughs> but we are back to the same conversation we had last year. We had it with you. I think Greg Olson has talked about this on our show. I know he's talked about it in other platforms as well. But, like, Bone and I were getting into this the other day. I still find myself really wanting 
the kind of young, modern offensive guy. Like last year, Tepper went offensive guy, but it was Frank Reich. I don't know how modern the offense was, but I look at Ben Johnson and Slowick and even Canales, and I just get excited about that because I feel like it might be the best for Bryce. I feel like you've pointed out in the past, and Greg Olson has too, and Bone was saying it the other day, the importance of you just got to have a leader. Like Steve Wilkes, right, was just a, a leader of men. What do you think about that balancing act? Like, am I wrong to get, like, intoxicated by these young offensive dudes? Well, I think you have to identify what are the most important qualities. Being a leader in the locker room for the head coach is the most important quality. So you can be a very smart offensive or defensive coordinator, but can you lead the entire team, set a course for the entire organization that everyone can follow? That ultimately is the most important thing. But then when you start looking at the world of candidates, I think where you really want to where, where most people, most teams would benefit is having an offensive coordinator who is a leader, who is innovative, but more specifically, can they tailor an offense to the players that they have while building a team and a roster of players in the image that they want to play in? Like, so like when I look at like Ben Johnson, they are very innovative, but they also do a really good job of taking advantage of who their quarterback is, who their running backs are, the quality of their offensive line, they play to their strengths. And I think over time what you'll see with any good offensive coordinator is, hey, all of a sudden my wide receivers are really explosive. I'm going to take more shots. All of a sudden my offensive line is a really strong run uh, group. We're going to run more play-play action off of that. So I wouldn't get enamored with, hey, this guy knows this system. I would be I would be looking for guys who have a very good understanding of how to uh, tailor their their play calling to the team that they have, yeah. and and so that's kind of everyone's enamored with the Shanahan system, rightfully so. There's guys all over the place because it's a really hard system to play. But if you watch each of those teams for the most part over time, they get off to a good start, and then they start finding players that fit what their quarterback and their best skill position players do well. We got a suggestion to call this segment once we get sued by uh, Snapchat. Uh, take it a hike with J.J. Jansen. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely less likely to get sued that way. That is strong this right is, Take it a hike with J.J. How about that? That is strong. J.J., you listen often and you hear Mac and I arguing with a bunch of Bryce detractors after year one. Knowing Bryce in that locker room, what's your message to those uh, Panther fans, quote-unquote, that are already writing off Bryce Young as a quarterback in this league? It's, it's a very premature thing to worry about Bryce after one year. Obviously, we as a collective team did not have the success that uh, we wanted. But I would say that one of the things that you're going to look for next year is, is there a jump from year one to year two? Is there a jump from year two to year three? And quite frankly, I think the thing that, that probably got in our way this year was we really did struggle to kind of find an offensive identity. What did we want to be and how did we want to play? And my personal belief, and this is, again, this is just me, is how does the quarterback play best? What are the things that he does well? What are the things that he doesn't do well? And try to lean into the strengths yeah. of the quarterback. And then secondly, lean into the strengths of the offensive line. I think those two uh, position groups really drive everything else. 
there's so many different layers to this. Um, but at the end of the day, Bryce does a lot of the things that you need a quarterback to be. He's, he generally is very good at throwing on the move. That lends itself to run, play action, boot, get out on the move. He's a very good decision maker, and he's a very anticipatory thrower. So quarterbacks, coaches, and offensive coordinators can work with a lot of those skills. So I'm sure part of the interview process is how do you feel about Bryce? What do you think he does well? And what is the plan to accentuate those strengths in a way that the offense can get the lead and play from ahead? You know, like our defense this year with Coach Evero, like that is a Vic Fangio-style protect explosives, slow everything down, play from the lead, and we never got a chance to play from the lead. So you, you want the whole team to work together. And one of the things is how can you get off to some fast starts taking advantage of where the quarterback's really strong? JJ is killing it like he always does on Snapchats with a Z-Bone uh, here on the Mac and Bone Show. Or taking a hike, depending okay. on where your podcasts are. That's true, that's true. We'll just see work. Next week, we'll just do a whole segment of just workshopping uh, names to the segment. Yeah, that, uh, that needs to be a theme don't, next week. Don't, don't ask the text line to name anything. Oh, please, please ask no, him. No, I no. want Bone to have to read no. through all of them. We've been naming our Major League Baseball team here for 20 years, so we don't actually have. <laughs> JJ, I want to know, I want to tell you what is going on in the text line right now. You really are the people's okay. long snapper. You are beloved. Uh, your Q rating goes up with every appearance on this show, which is the complete opposite of what happens with my Q rating uh, when I take to the <laughs> airwaves. Uh, we have people that have suggested. These are separate suggestions. One wants J.J. Jansen to be the team president yep, of the Carolina Panthers. Yep. Another guy wants J.J. as the GM. That's Coach Jeff. And then another texter wants J.J. to be a part of the committee that chooses the next head coach and GM. You are very well thought of by the Panther fan base, J.J. All right, any of these jobs I, interest I, you? Uh, well, in, in a different time when I'm done playing, they would all interest me. I think it's, it's a, I think it's a very fascinating thing. But as long as I can still snap and run, I wouldn't have. Look, guys, at the end of the day, if I had any of those three positions, it would be much harder for me to join you at eight o'clock on Thursdays. I'd still do it, but it was just I'd be I'd be much much busier now than I am uh, as a player in the off season. Just enjoying driving my kids to school and talking to you guys. That's you probably fair. Avoid. Much more work this Take, time of year. Taking a hike with the Panther GM, J.J. Jansen. You kidding me? That's rating. Bone, the names are coming in a week yeah, I early. See it. I see They're it. coming in a week I early. Between the legs with J.J. Jansen. What? Excuse me? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, there goes that segment. <laughs> and this is why J.J. can't be on when he's running this thing. When he's running this thing. You guys, you guys had a better chance of just being, just of not being sued when it was just Snapchat. Now you're definitely going to so mad. Matt is talking, J.J., about how respected you are, the Texers, the fans. But I think there's one man, J.J., that might not respect you as much as you think so. When I was leaving yesterday, we had to do these promos after the show, both of us, to promote the next show. I did one about whatever, and Max said, what do I promote? And as I was leaving, I said, we got two Panther legends on the show in one day. Promote that. Here's the result of Max promo that he did promoting two Panther legends. Flounder, play this, please. Coming up Thursday morning on the Mac and Bone Show, we talk to Panthers legend Musin Muhammad about the state of the Cats. J.J. Jansen joins us, too. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. That wasn't what I said to do. Well, I don't know. 
Am I wrong to not oh, put him in the same? Put- he'll be here too. <laughs> I, that did not sound good. Listening back, it didn't, did that's see- not the way I intended you, for it to said sound. You said Muhammad will be on. Why did you say JJ so fast like that? I don't know. It did, JJ, I didn't mean to make it sound. In hindsight, if I would have listened back to that, that wouldn't have made it to the air. You know what I mean? I didn't. That, that did not sound right. Clearly, you were Russian. One take, and I'm out of the studio. I, I had to get going. I had things to do, man. I had yeah. a couch to sit on. By, was, all right. Yeah. By the way, hindsight could could that not be a uh, name for the segment? Hindsight. Oh, oh wow! Wow! That's See what you did good. there. See what wow. you did there. Uh, this texture says, "Oh snap!" with JJ Jansen. <laughs> That's beyond cheesy. All right, JJ. Well, my bad on that promo. Next week, I will promote you with a little more gusto next week. All right. Hey, hey, guys, my next opportunity to come in the studio, I want to do a promo for Mac. Oh, can I, can yeah. I get that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get a chance to uh, to promo back. Yeah. So, right. so, by the way, Max spent about 15 minutes on that promo trying to think of one, and that's what he came up with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, Moose and JJ are in the same category. Shame on me. Shame on me. All right, JJ. Well, no, well hold on, Mac. I'm going to give you a little credit. One man's name is up in the rafters uh, at Bank of America Stadium, so... <laughs> His legend status is slightly okay. above mine, so I I won't be too offended. Okay, okay. That might kind of been what I was thinking, actually. <laughs> but anyway, all right, anyway, let's move along. JJ, you are the man, baby. We appreciate you. You're the people's long snapper. We will talk to you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Here are the interviews that have been conducted the last couple of days. Wes, Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris were interviewed yesterday. Let's start there with some of the defensive minds. Both of those guys, Dan Quinn with the Cowboys the last couple of years, being the head coach of the Atlanta team that got to the Super Bowl. Raheem Morris, who's been a head coach in this league before. Maybe it was a little too early for him. Did some nice things. Now defensively, really lauded for the work that he did with the L.A. Rams. Do you think there's a shot? that there's a defensive head coach here in Carolina, what are the chances if you were to put a percentage on it compared to all the other offensive candidates out there? Uh, I think it's a a slim chance, and that's only because the point that we've been talking about a lot. This coaching hire is mainly about Bryce Young. If you were to split it into a pie, I would imagine 75 to 80% of the thinking that's going into this decision is about Bryce Young and his development. They've got to find the perfect match uh, for him. And we saw an article, and and we'll talk about this later in the show, but in terms of talking about Baker Mayfield and how when he was here, there was a, a player who said that the team did not try to play to his strengths. And so we heard this season that Uh, Frank Reich did not necessarily want to play to Bryce Young's strengths coming out of Alabama. And so this hire has got to be mostly about finding a guy that's going to not necessarily submit to Bryce Young, but it's going to be the best fit for him as far as accentuating his strengths and turning him into one of the best young passers in the game. And so that's why I think an offensive coach is going to be at the forefront of that because you don't want to bring in a coach that does – get all of those things out of Bryce at the offensive coordinator slot, and then he's gone a year or two later and potentially stifling that development. Exactly. Holiday J does write in just about the Harbaugh and Belichick thing. He said maybe they wouldn't have interviewed for the Panthers if they were asked. That's true. We don't have any evidence that they were asked. 
but we, I guess, don't have any evidence to the contrary. So, yeah, if they didn't add, or if they got rejected, that speaks to an entirely different set of issues for the Panthers. Yeah, and it's not a great job. And so that's a problem within itself. But at least that would get rid of the whole David Tepper didn't even ask those guys. And here's NASCAR Brad writing in, just promote Averro to head coach. We need to establish a culture. He thinks Averro Averro is that guy. That's the only reason I give them a non-zero chance of hiring a defensive mind. Otherwise, I think it would be zero. Wes, I don't think Raheem Morris has a shot. I don't think Dan Quinn has a shot. Mike McDonald, I think, would win a Defensive Coordinator of the Year award if there was one given out instead of just Coordinator Assistant Coach award. Mm -hmm. I still don't even think Mike McDonald is going to get this job. The only way I see them going defensive-minded is if they miss out on their top offensive minds and then they just go ahead and promote a Vero as the head coach. The chances I think that happens, five to ten. I mean, I'll go seven and a half. I'll split it. I like weird percentages on the show when we mm-hmm. play this game. I'll continue with the theme. I'll go seven and a half percent. Wes, they're they're all offense. They wanted to do offense last year when they had the number one overall pick. They went that way with Frank Reich. They want to go offense again. All of these other offensive names, right? And there's a lot of really good ones. That's not to say they don't have really good defensive minds. I just don't get the feeling that David Tepper is interested at all in that. I, there is some interest in keeping Averro here. We've seen that. He's operated that way in a sense of going after candidates that share the same agent as Averro. And so maybe that's the pull that you have for both guys, a new hire and Averro staying foot or staying here in Carolina. But if it's not Averro, it's nobody. It's going to be an offensive mind, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm right there with you. And then, you know, if you decide to go with Averro, too, I wonder how that would go over with the fan base. Because I know there have been people, we see him on the text line, that are definitely Averro supporters. But also, you know, he wasn't. His resume was was really good this year. Like you see, you, you finished fourth in yards allowed, but also that run defense left a lot to be desired as well. So his resume isn't sterling to bring him in, and the fan base is going to be like, oh, man, we're about to win. Uh, I'd still like to see another season or two from him to see what you know he's going to do with this defense and what that finished product is going to look like because it's not a bad start here. I'm, I'm not going to go with that at all. I didn't expect the defense to be flawless. Your record is your record for a reason, but I'd like to see what a, a, a more polished product from him with some upgrades mm-hmm. and some of the things that he can do uh, for this defense. But like you said, I, I expect an offensive candidate to be uh, the way that they go about this thing. Yeah, if people people bringing up Mike Vrabel, too, have a point. Uh, maybe I bump it up to nine and a half. <laughs> no, just, just because there's enough cachet with Vrabel, there's enough there. Um, having been a head coach, and if you want to establish a culture, and you've already seen it established. I'm not saying McDonald couldn't do it. I'm not saying Raheem Morris or Dan Quinn couldn't do it. Uh, we've seen too much failure with Dan Quinn, in my opinion. I don't think we've seen that much with Vrabel, considering the roster they had in place. I would give Vrabel more of a shot, but I, st- I said what I said. I stand by it. I don't, I, it's offensive mind or Averro, and maybe an itsy-beatsy little chance of Mike Vrabel being there. It's also weird. His name's been pretty quiet on the coaching search. And a big it, it reason quiet why down. You're right. his report came out, he did not want the GM that Tennessee hired. He may be a head coach that wants personnel control, and I don't think Dave Tepper's interested in doing that here again. Or if there is a GM that he would like to choose to come aboard, then that's just another guy you have to like, right? I mean, it, it's hard to like one person to hire. 
let alone that person's decision who to bring as a GM too. I want to get to the candidate that, that I'm most interested in of the three that have been reportedly interviewed by the Panthers the last couple of days, and that's Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wes, I feel like we were talking about him a little bit more um, before he started to get real hot, before they win the Philadelphia game in the postseason and continue to move on. Let's go to a couple of sound bites. Here's Mike Evans, future Hall of Fame wide receiver, on Dave Canales, getting a look at head coach somewhere. Oh, Dave has done a great job. He's he's so positive every day. He knows exactly what to say. And uh, yeah, he's a really brilliant mind. So um, you know, any team would be lucky to have him as the head, head guy. Yeah, everybody coaches different, but his style, more people will, will flock to that. Former player, Wes. We like to pull that card every now and then on the Wes and Walker show. It's yeah. not me. It's you. You played football. <laughs> I did not. I would have been terrible at it. <laughs> What do you hear when you hear Mike Evans praising Dave Canales like that? Uh, I hear Mike Evans as a guy that I've always liked. I always thought that he was a very authentic, genuine guy. And so when he gives that type of endorsement, and you can hear it in his voice and the words that he chose to use about that, especially at the end when he talked about, you know, different coaches having their style, but more players will flock to what he wants to do. Uh, this is a receiver that, you know, is an integral part of their team's offense. And Mike Evans is a, a high IQ player, in my opinion. So players know uh, who knows their stuff and who doesn't. And so I love that ringing endorsement from him, and I think it adds to his resume. I'm I'm glad you said that because it felt like Mike Evans gave us a short, succinct answer that was press conference savvy, but also we could take away some substance from it. Yeah, I felt like that was all in a perfect bite-sized little candy bar of audio to say, oh, okay, Dave Canales is the real deal. If you don't believe Mike Evans, maybe you believe former Panther Steve Berline, who joined the Kyle Bailey Show, talking about Tampa's OC. I do uh, a show on CBS Sports Network every Monday called NFL Monday QB, and Brent has come on and, and filled in for us uh, several times during the course of the year, and he mentioned Canales, and I think it had to be Seattle then for sure. And uh, he speaks very, very highly of him and just said that he is a guy that any young quarterback would benefit from being around him and in that kind of an environment because of not only you know his knowledge and what he brings to the table from a creativity perspective, but also from just the ability to connect and, and uh, communicate and build that confidence that a quarterback has to have with his offensive coordinator. He's, he just seems like he's a, a really top-notch guy and a guy that would be a great fit for any any young quarterback trying to figure out how to play at this level. Mike Evans, Steve Berline. Let's go a trio of ringing endorsements because here's Greg Olson with a tweet. Not a soundbite, but a tweet. He says, I spent a year in Seattle with Dave Canales. He was in our tight end room, and we spent a lot of time talking ball and philosophy. Happy he got a shot in Tampa and he had a huge night, referring to the Philadelphia Eagles postseason game. He's moving up, Wes. And this was even before we started to get some of these opinions on him. I just think you start to look at who he's worked with. Okay, in Seattle, he works with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson became one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But also, I think maybe we start to forget a little bit about he wasn't supposed to start the year he did. Remember, they do the whole Matt Flynn, big old contract. We saw you throw for a Packers franchise record. Packers, the very team that never misses on a QB. Matt Flynn goes out there in garbage time regular season, throws for 500 yards, gets the contract, can't beat Russell Wilson in camp, and 
They got the Legion of Boom. This is what starts the, if we find a good QB on a rookie-scale contract and then allocate resources elsewhere, this is the way to get to the Super Bowl. Here's Dave Canales helping everybody on top of that. But he's not at the hierarchy of that totem pole. He's not, you know, first, second, third in command even. He's just there to help it along the way. Now he is climbing the totem pole once Geno Smith steps in for Russell Wilson and they trade Russell. Geno Smith, having not experienced a lot of success anywhere else, does so in Seattle and Dave Canales right there helping him. Then he goes to Tampa Bay as the offensive coordinator. Here he is calling plays, helping Baker Mayfield out. And this is the best year we've ever seen from Baker. You had the one year in Cleveland. They win a playoff game. That was important. But you're even seeing two short QBs, Wes. I, I don't know if I'm making too much of that. I just know we got a short QB here. And I know every example everybody goes with is Russell Wilson first. They don't like the Kyler Murray comparison for Bryce because Kyler is this athletic, strong-armed former baseball player. And so everybody makes it a point to say, no, he's actually not like Kyler. The other comparisons are Russell Wilson and Drew Brees that we see. And then maybe even a little bit of Baker Mayfield as the number one overall pick. Well, Dave Canales has worked with two of them and then resurrected a different QB career. I like Dave Canales, Wes. He's he's rising up Walker Mail's power rank. Those are great points that you bring to the table, especially his ability to understand the limitations of a shorter quarterback and help to uh, alleviate those. But also, too, I mean, when you look at his resume, man, I mean, he's a grinder. This guy went from Carson High School to El Camino College at JUCO, and he also has a strength coach background where he was an assistant strength coach at USC. So that tells me that could be another area of expertise that he could bring to this team overseeing the strength and conditioning program, making sure it's top notch and maybe get some of those injuries down. I know in the NFL it's next to impossible uh, to keep them at even a reasonable rate sometimes, but I think that that's another plus for him. But yeah, um, all the quarterbacks that he's worked with, I think that bodes well. Uh, I think if they go and have a strong showing in Detroit, especially the offense, and I think they have a chance to. I think I think the Buccaneers are going to be feisty in that game. He's a guy that you got to look at, and as we said, the petty factor you have a chance to take away from a rival. And yes. give yourself a strength. Yes, that was a point you brought up that I am 100% here for. Would absolutely love taking away something from a successful season in Tampa. Uh, M-Dog does write in, when can we start to judge a coordinator on a good surrounding team rather than it making them a good head coach? Sorry for the skepticism. And we also have another number 443 writing in. Is one year a big enough sample size to judge Dave Canales? No, those are good points. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure he would make a great coach. But from everything we've seen, everything that I think we can realistically judge, I like what I've seen. The other thing is about the run game, right? I was about to say that. Yeah. that, that that's got to scare you because of what, bottom third in the league or the bottom two in the league last two years? I will say, though, it got better this year. And they made a big old stink about him improving and improving and improving all year long to the point where Rashad White was out here helping you in the screen game, helping you avoid pressure that might be bearing down your neck. Hey, Bryce Young might understand that. Yeah. I would love to get running backs involved in the screen game again. And so Canales would help you that way. Maybe you get another dynamic running back, but they just got better sticking with the run. And that's what Panthers fans want. It's what worked with Steve Wilkes power running game. It's what worked a little bit here once we started handing it to Tuba Hubbard a lot more and Thomas Brown. Tuba, 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 chanting everywhere. What? <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah, I 
I'm feeling it. I'm catching Canales fever, baby. Yeah. I really am. Uh, the thing is, though, for those who are out there saying, you know, the one year and all that stuff, and I and I get that, but you also have to look at the job that he did. Coming into week 18, PFF had this offensive line rated 13th in the league. So middle of the pack, not bad, not great. But then you also, like I said, the fact that he took a quarterback that everybody had written off. Nobody thought this type of year was coming from Baker Mayfield, and that's coming from scheme and how they were able to scheme around deficiencies. The offensive line, like I said, they were decent. 13th is decent, but it's not great. And so for them to be able to be as productive as they are to get as hot as they have at the end of this season and what he's done with that quarterback, I think trumps the limited amount of experience that he's had, that sample size that you guys are talking about. But let's not act like when people ask the question about supporting cast, this was not a ready-made Tampa offense that everybody expected to take off and be balling. As again, we thought preseason that this was going to be four, five, six-win team right I do think that's all quarterback-based, though. I do think that, which only enhances the first point you're making. Yeah. It's it's hard to mess with Evans and Godwin as a duo. Like this that's true, yeah. That's probably what. But that's basically all they had. Nobody saw this type of season coming from Rashad White. Uh, you know, we thought this offense no, would like be Rashad. better. There's yeah. no, those tight ends definitely have come out of nowhere. They didn't have a tight end that we thought was going to be uh, some phenomenal player. They made play after play on Monday night. I really like them. We'll yeah, see. I do too. I, th- I think yeah. he should be up there as one of the top guys. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Uh, right now, we head up to Charm City. We head up to Baltimore, Maryland, and check in with a guy who knows a thing or two about running a football operation. It is the next chapter of our How to Fix the Panthers series. We've talked to the likes of Amy Trask and Randy Mueller and other uh, former executives in the NFL. Now we add to the list former vice president of football operations of the then-Washington Redskins, before that director of player personnel for the San Francisco 49ers, former college quarterback in his day as well with the Iowa State Cyclones, uh, the great and powerful Vinny Serrato is with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Vinny, I appreciate you, man. How you been? I've been good. No, I wasn't Brock Purdy. <laughs> I like that. How proud is he making you, by the way? Yeah, that's pretty cool. But I, I, when I switched to wide receiver, Brees Hall and I wore the same numbers. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I wore number 28, yep. How about that? How about that? Well, it's good to have you, and uh, you, you're primed for this conversation. You know what we're about to get into. But let me before we get into a diagnosis of, of the franchise down the street here, um, let me start with this, and we'll combine it to one question. You know, there are a couple of coordinators there that a lot of teams have their eye on, but Carolina in particular wants to talk to both Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald as, as potential head coaches here. Just give me some quick thoughts on both those guys, the jobs they've done there, and uh, how you see them as potential head coaches in the NFL. I've known Todd for a long time. Todd was a GA the year I left Notre Dame, and he was at Notre Dame. And then, then he went to Eastern Michigan with my buddy Ron Cooper, who was the secondary coach at Notre Dame. But uh, Todd Munkin's done a phenomenal job. I mean, just by being able to handle – what he's done with Lamar, turn the keys over to Lamar. And then the thing that he does is he lets the players do what they do well. And I think that's what both coordinators do. I mean, look at Kyle Hamilton, what Mike McDonald's done with him. You know, and, and like when I talk to Todd, I got to get Zay Flowers the ball in space, those kind of things. 
So, I mean, both have done phenomenal jobs. And, you know, Todd's a little bit older, you know, but he's an offensive guy, and he's done a lot of great things with a lot of quarterbacks. How about Todd? If he if the Ravens were to go win a Super Bowl this year, he'd have won national championship two years in a row and then a Super Bowl too. So that's pretty impressive. Now with Mike McDonald, I think Mike's young, energetic, extremely smart. But on the practice field and stuff, he's quiet. He's pretty quiet on the practice field, but he's really smart and does a good job. I think he does a phenomenal job scheming. Well, I, I think McDonald, yeah, that's it. To me, watching the way that he schemes, you know, disguises pressures, that what he's done to some of the best uh, offenses in the NFL, some of the best teams in the NFL this year, has been really, really impressive. Quick thing on that. what would Going back to Munkin, what would you say to those? Because I, I have my listeners who've pointed this out. Yeah, well, Lamar Jackson's going to make a lot of offensive coordinators look good. What would you say to that? Well, I would say that he's given Lamar the opportunity, you know, to take the reins and run with it. Because – when Greg Roman was there, he didn't allow Lamar to do anything. Lamar was just a pawn. You know, he was just like uh, playing a video football game. You know, he, 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 Greg Roman did not let him do a thing. He called all the plays, everything. Whereas Todd, he's incorporated him into everything and gave him the keys. And I think he is a great developer and of quarterbacks and of, of, you know, he was a former wide receiver coach too at one point. But I think he's done a great job with building the team offensively. You know, I think all the players love him. He's got a personality. He's outgoing. He's loud on the practice field. I just, I, I just, I, I love the guy. Love it. Hey, we got Vinny Serrato with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And when I brought him in, um, I, I listed off his football bona fides, which is what you should always lead with. But he also is the midday show. Uh, Bob, Him and Bob Haney, 105.7, the fan up in Baltimore, they do a great job. In fact, I was listening to you earlier today talk about the playoff game coming up on Saturday. You and Bob had a great conversation previewing it. And uh, the game Saturday, 4.30, M&T Bank Stadium. You got the Texans coming to town. And, and what a lightning rod they've been. D'Amico Ryan's first year, C.J. Stroud's first year. Bobby Slowick has exploded into the conversation uh, what what kind of opponent do you think you're getting on Saturday? How confident are you that Baltimore gets that home win? Well, they've got uh, they've got two extremely good offensive weapons, you know, with Nico Collins and Schultz, you know, tight end, wide receiver. But then after that, that's about it. You know, Singletary's a good back, not a great. He's not a home run hitter, but uh, C.J. Stroud's spectacular, and they got to get pressure on him, disrupt his rhythm. And I think if they can do that, if they can take away Nico Collins, it's going to be tough for them you know, to have any explosive plays. All right, so, so Vinny, I, I would just jump into then, the Texans have been a real sore spot for Panthers fans this year, as you might imagine, right? Carolina yeah. trades all the way up to number one. They take Bryce Young out of Alabama, something that, you know, by the way, everybody in Houston thinks that the Texans would have done if they'd had the number one pick, but it doesn't matter. It didn't work out that way. Bryce Young's here. C.J. Stroud's there. He's thriving, and here in Carolina, they've done the opposite of thrive this year. Um, just from afar, let's start with your 30,000-foot view of what the Panthers have been doing and, and why you think it's been a failure through six years of ownership for David Tepper. Well, I, I think the biggest thing you got to start with is you got to start with ownership. I mean, I've been with two owners, you know, in roughly 20 years and two teams. You know, I was with Eddie DeBarlo in San Fran, and Eddie let everybody do their jobs. You know, he had a president, Carmen Policy, who kind of ran the show while we were there, and he handled the media. Dwight Clark was there. He was a GM. Dwight did contracts and stuff. 
I did the personnel. I handled the personnel. And when we came to the draft, that was pretty much it. You know, I ran all the meetings in the draft and stuff. And draft day, I'll tell you, like Eddie was lived in Youngstown, so he wasn't at the facility very often. Like for the draft, he'd come out on Friday. He'd come to my office. And he'd, uh, he'd have Mel Kuyper's book in his hand. He said, who we drafted? <laughs> and I would tell him, all right. You know, and then for the draft day, he'd sit in the back for a while. And then he'd go into his office. And when we were going to pick, he'd come out. So, I mean, that's how involved he was. Now in Washington, more like Carolina. Dan was there every day. Dan was on the phone with me all the time. Uh, Dan wanted to be uh, part of the draft. He was in the draft room. Um, he would never sit in any meetings, and he would go to the combine, sit in the interviews, and they'd fall in love with guys. And um, that's the, to me, it sounds like that's the problem that you guys are having, the same kind of thing that Washington had. You have a, an owner that loves being involved but doesn't have a football background and doesn't let the football people make the football decisions. That's the, that's the thing. You know, what's funny was like when Mike Shanahan went there after I left and Mike and I are good friends because we were together in San Fran. Um, Mike called me one day. He says, how does Dan make decisions? I says, well, he goes to his guys that he, you know, his little uh, group of guys. And he said, Hey guys, I can get Donovan McNabb. What do you think? <laughs> oh, Dan, that would be so great. Mike, get we're taking Donna McNabb. We're going to get Donna McNabb. Mike, you know, I don't want him. Well, we're taking him. You know, I mean, that's how, that's how, that's the difference in two organizations. And one, I got a Super Bowl ring. And one, what, the thing that happened, though, was when Joe Gibbs came in, then it was run like it was supposed to be run. Vinny, did you ever tell Dan to get out? Because that's what there are a lot of people here that are wondering who's the guy that's going to tell David Tepper, "Hey, we we appreciate your passion. We know you want to win. We want to do that for you, but you got to get the hell out of the way." Did you ever tell Dan Snyder that at any point? Uh, well, like the one year after we won the NFC East, first year, um, we were at the owners' meetings, and Dan was there, and Brad Johnson was quarterback for us, and he was Pro Bowl quarterback. Dan comes to me during a meeting. He says, go find Lee Steinberg. I said, why? He said, I want to talk to him. We want to talk to him about Jeff George. I said, why? He says, because we want to. So then, you know, I went and I told Norv. I said, Norv, guess who they want to talk to? I said, Brad. Or I said, uh, Jeff George. And Norv told me he'll never play for me, <laughs> you know. So um, then they come back later. They say, Did you find Lee? I said, no, I couldn't find him. So then they take me out of a meeting, and then I'm standing in the hallway. They said, listen, who signed your paycheck? Who signed your paycheck? Go find him. And then we ended up with Jeff George, and it killed our football team. Wow. Vinny Serrato, uh, former vice president, football operations in Washington, director player personnel in San Francisco, and 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, middays uh, with Bob Haney. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So, you know, it's funny. It's not funny, actually. You know, we're looking at Bryce Young, and he was the first pick. C.J. Stroud's thriving as the second pick. Um, I think we can all reasonably look at Carolina this year and know that uh, this roster wasn't very good. The coaching situation wasn't very good. But what do you think of moving forward, trying to rebuild already around Bryce Young and, and trying to get it right because the clock's already ticking on, on a rookie quarterback who just had a disastrous rookie season? Well, I think look at what happened to Lamar when they went and got him some weapons and stuff, you know. 
and I think that's what they've got to do. They've got to they've got to give him an offensive line because he's not like Lamar being able to run around and and do those things. And he's a guy, so you better take care of the offensive line and get him some people to throw to. And you better have a run game. You know that's going to help your quarterback because you know I mean he's still the same guy that he was at Alabama, and he still flashes and makes some nice plays, but he gets a crap beat on him, and he he survived the season. But they need some help around him. That's 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 the big thing I see. What what do you make of? Uh, it, it sounds like David Tepper has employed uh, Sportsology, right, the consulting firm, to help him in both the coach and the GM hiring. But it, it looks once again, anyway, and this this might not turn out to be the case, Vinny. But it looks once again like he might hire the head coach and then the general manager. You and I both know that's not the longstanding traditional or conventional way to do things in the NFL. But it is being done more. What what do you think of that? I don't have a problem with it because here's the thing is I think GMs, especially the younger guys, they get caught up with, I got to have final say. No, you don't. I mean, when I was in San Francisco, you know, final say, the coaches, the coaches got to coach those guys and they have a better feel when they're on the field, like who should be on a team, who shouldn't be on a team. And then when we go to draft and that's the problem what Tepper has when he changes coaches all the time, when you change coach, you change the type of players that you like and don't like. That's why when I was in San Fran, Bill Walsh kind of set the tone for the types of players because we had a specific offense and we had a specific defense. And everybody knew the types of players. Our scouts never had to look at a receiver that was under six foot tall. Our offensive linemen, they wanted them under 300 pounds. They had to be athletic. You know, those were the kind of things. So it was easy. Our scouts, they knew exactly what type of player we needed. When you change coaches, you change philosophies, and then you set yourself back every time you got a new coach come in. Yeah, me too. All right, last thing, Jim Harbaugh. Do you you have a a gut feel where he ends up? Do you think the NFL is where he belongs? What do you think? Chargers is what I think. I I think he's done a phenomenal job, and he's he's built teams. He's won in the pros. And and you know what? what? What was the problem he had? His GM, you know, got thought it was about him. And that's the problem you can't have. You got to understand your role, and that's the biggest thing. Is is the GM's got to understand his role? Because predominantly, to me, you work for the the coach because everybody's got to be on the same page. What are we here about? We're here about to win games and get the best players. And what types of players do we need? And that's why when I used to sit in meetings in San Fran, when we watch, we'd watch film. The whole defensive staff would be in there. We'd watch every defensive player that we were going to look at. So every we had a 49er grade, same in Washington. You know, there wasn't like, I want that guy. It happened one time in San Fran, me and Mike Shanahan about flip. We're in the draft, and George Siebert says, I want this receiver. We says, we don't even have him rated as a third-round pick. I don't care. I'm the head coach. I'm taking him. <laughs> and me and Mike, like, okay. And then you know what happened? We took him, and a third-round pick, Never even signed him. He was so bad at at the minicamp. Wow, 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 wow! So that that's the biggest thing. It's got to be about teamwork. Yeah, you know, and it's got to be about your head coach and GM. Got to be lockstep. Like me and Joe Gibbs, we got along awesome because you know what? I knew what who Joe was, what he was, and my job was to get him the players he needed, and that's a GM's job. 
Well, hey, Vinny, you probably know this already, but you're in Joe Gibbs country right now. He's just up the road in Huntersville, North Carolina, about 20 minutes north of here. So uh, hopefully he heard that, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, I'm sure you still talk to the family. But, man, it's good to have you. really is. There's a lot of fans in the area that know you that rooted for that team back then, and uh, it's great to catch up. you got some good folks in your building up there in Baltimore, so uh, send some good thoughts their way for us. Uh, we appreciate you. All right, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. Tune in to Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.